You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast. All right, welcome back to the Patriot Nation podcast. It's your boy, Pat Lane, as always with you. Tonight, I have a very special guest. No Matt tonight, but in his stead, we have a very special guest. He covers Boston sports for 98.5 The Sports Hub. He's also the co-host of the Catch-22 podcast for Patriots.com. You know him. You love him. Alex Barth. Alex, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So uh, we are going to be talking tonight about the first two rounds specifically of the draft. Okay. And we were talking about this before beforehand, but we're going to talk about what we want them to do and what we think they're probably going to do. And those two things almost never align, um, you know, and so, and so we'll kind of go from there. Although last year did happen with Marcus Jones. I was very excited. As you can see over my shoulder here, I got the Marcus Jones autographed jersey. Uh, over my shoulder here, so I'm excited about that one. But typically, the guys you want them to draft, they just don't come here. It's just the way it works. Uh, you know, sometimes that, yes, sometimes no. Marcus Jones was one last year a lot of people had. I was the guy, uh, I'm I'm patient zero for Zappy Fever. I was the guy <laughs> writing at this time last year yes. how much I wanted the Patriots to draft Bailey Zappy. Now, apparently, if you listen to people, I hate Bailey Zappy because I won't say he's better than Mac Jones because he's not. <laughs> <laughs> but that was one I got. Um, you always get a couple. It's never it's never the guy you really want. Right. Uh, but you always get a couple. Yeah. Yep. I love it. I'm excited about it. So one quick thing. And speaking about the first round of the draft, as as you guys know, we're going to be live the entire first round of the draft. And just a reminder, we are doing our giveaway. All right. I got the hat here right here. So someone on draft night is going to win this hat that, that the Patriots first round pick and all their picks are going to walk away with. Okay, you just got to be on the live stream on the uh, round one live stream at some point and make a comment. I don't care what you say. It doesn't matter. Your comment can be, I hate you and your show sucks. It, I mean, we would prefer if it isn't, but it could be. And your name is getting thrown into a hat. And so we'll go from there. Okay, so come on in uh, and, and join and subscribe while you're here. You know, subscribe to the new YouTube channel while you're here because uh, we lost all of our Pat's Bowen subscribers. So we want to get them back. Uh, for Pat's Nation Network. So that's just Thursday night, uh, the 27th of April. It's fast approaching. It's fast approaching. Today is the 12th of April. We're like two weeks away. Two weeks from tonight. Yeah, two weeks from tonight. We'll from probably about right now. I, I think the 14th pick usually comes in yeah. just after the 10 o'clock hour. So uh, we'll we'll have some news, maybe a player, maybe a trade down. But two weeks from right now, I think we'll have something. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. And Dark Blue Gold does... Hate me and show sucks. Although he can't spell practicing right, but you know it is what it is. He's English, so it's it's fine. You know. Um, all right, so let's let's get into it. Let's just get let's jump right in. Okay, who's the guy for you? If you if you were in the if you're in the the war room and you're sitting there and you're at fourteen, who is the guy that you're like? This is the guy they have to take at fourteen if he's on the board. Who is that guy for you? So there's two. I, I guess we're not considering Christian Gonzalez a top 10 lock now. I don't understand why. I don't see how he gets past six to the Lions. Maybe, maybe they decide to go offense. He goes eighth to the Falcons. But I don't see how he's on the board of 14. But every time I say that, people get annoyed. What about Devin Witherspoon? <laughs> I think Christian Gonzalez is just Devin Witherspoon, but three inches taller. Yeah. So, but if, if he's there... Uh, sprint the card to the table. Mm -hmm. The other one that, again, is kind of 50-50, I really like Paris Johnson from Ohio State. I, I just think he's going to be a stud left tackle in this league for a decade. You got to get Mac Jones blindside protected. Hasn't been enough. They haven't done enough to do that. Uh, Trent Brown is uh, a question mark. I think if he's on, he can be that guy. But as we saw last year, that's hardly a guarantee. So I, I corner and tackle for me, if they can land one of those two, and they should have a chance between the top corners and the top tackles. Uh, if, if they can land one of those two spots, I, I'd be happy. Yeah. I, I mean, it's funny. You took the words right out of my mouth. Those are the, those are the guys for me too. I think Paris Johnson is my tackle one. You know, I mean, you could talk about Broderick Jones and you could talk about, you know, other guys that are on the board and Darnell Wright's getting a ton of love at this point. I think that he's going to probably end up being a first round pick when all said and done. Yeah. Um, 
but I just, Paris Johnson just is the best guy out there. And so he's number one for me. And Christian Gonzalez, he's my cornerback one. He's been cornerback one since the beginning. People are out there saying that he's soft and he plays soft. I, I, where, where do you see that? I don't like, I don't see where he plays soft ever. Like, so, you know, he's, he's not maybe as hard hitting as Devin, as Devin Witherspoon, but he's also bigger. And I think he has like more, better agility than Devin Witherspoon has too. So I don't, I don't know what people are looking at. Yeah. He's such a smooth mover. Gonzalez. I'm trying to remember who the corner was a couple of years ago. He was like a first round consensus, top 15 guy. Everybody said he was soft cause he, and he didn't tackle, but he didn't tackle because the guy he was covering was never throwing the ball. Like he right. was never in a spot to tackle. Yeah. And Christian Gonzalez to me is kind of like that. Devin Witherspoon, don't get me wrong, has a great, has some great tape of making tackles, uh, both when guys catch the ball and in the run game. He's a ferocious hitter. Right. And I love that about him. Christian Gonzalez isn't really around the ball that much because it's never thrown near him. And uh, against the run, like he's an average tackler. He's not Witherspoon, certainly, but Witherspoon is one of the best tackling corners we've seen in the draft in a couple of years, I think. Right. Uh, at least in the first round. So Gonzalez isn't going to be that good. But yeah, he doesn't tackle a lot of receivers because they don't catch the ball. Right. Right. So a, a guy I would add to the list is Nolan Smith. And I might be a little early at 14. Smith seems to be dropping a bit. Uh, obviously, Jalen Carter. But I, I just, even with the legal stuff that happened, I just can't imagine Jalen Carter doesn't end up in the top 10. I mean, that'd just be insane to me, I think. He's just the talent and the skill level that he brings at that position. And yes, it's defensive tackle. But like, when you have an elite defensive tackle like he is, you pay for that because it's just like an edge rusher. If you can get to the passer from the middle, it's almost more valuable. I mean, the Patriots for years were looking for that guy that could get pressure from the inside and they could never find it. And that's why, you know, they they moved up to get Christian Barmore and, you know, he's been on and off and hasn't been healthy and so on and so forth. But like, I think they jump at the chance to take Carter again at 14 if he somehow was there. Yeah, on Carter, I just, if he falls to 14, there's a massive red flag there. At that point, it tells me he's untouchable. Right. I, I look at the Eagles sitting there with the 10th pick. They just went to the Super Bowl. They have a very complete roster. Uh, they they have two first-round picks. They've met with him. Like They have all the incentive in yeah. the world. They have all the reason right. in the world to make that pick. They, it is a massive risk, and they can afford to do it. Yeah. If they don't feel comfortable taking Jalen Carter at 10, I, I certainly don't think the Patriots can afford to be comfortable taking him at 14 because they do not have the margin for error with this pick that the Eagles do their margin for error. I don't know that there is one, frankly, with right. this pick, given the way the last couple of years have gone on Nolan Smith. He's kind of my break glass in case of emergency pick. Let's say Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones go Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter go Jackson Smith and Jigba's gone. Maybe they don't love Zay Flowers at his size. You're going to add a good football player, Nolan Smith. And he does give you something you need. They need another edge rusher. They do. To me, he's the guy like, all right, the board absolutely didn't fall their way. Okay, you can walk away with Nolan. Like, they can't find the trade back or anything. Basically, yeah. 2015 Bruins. I know people cringe when they hear that. But <laughs> you're going to walk away from Nolan Smith. You're not going to feel terrible about what you did. That's kind of where I'm at with him. Or if they really like Anton Harrison, Darna, uh, uh, Dewan Jones, tackles they can get in the second round, and they really like whether it's a receiver or a tight end, some pass catcher they can get on day two, and they know, like, all right, we're going to go Dewan Jones, or how about this? Or, yeah, so we're going to go Dewan Jones in the second, and then Marvin Mims in the third, or yeah. we're going to go Josh Downs in the second, break Blake Freeland in the third. They feel really good about that and they're not as worried about corner or it's a deep corner class you get the point you mix a corner in there right yeah then yeah maybe you go nolan smith there is a way they take nolan smith and still hit all their needs just because this draft is so deep at some of the positions they need right but i, I like the player but he went like things didn't go well on the board leading up to the pick if yeah. they walk away with nolan smith yeah no it makes sense it makes sense i i think He's one of those guys where I kind of look at it and and he started falling and I'm kind of like, why is he falling now? I don't, but again, I think the Patriots are, are in a unique situation this year where quarterbacks are going to go early. You got to, you got to figure that three are going to be gone off the board yeah. before they pick for sure. 
I think there's a possibility that a fourth is gone. And, and you know, it, this is never going to happen. And it, we talk about it leading up to the draft and that never happens. But, like, Hendon Hooker's getting a ton, a ton of juice right now. I just, I don't see it. I don't, I don't under, and not that Hendon Hooker's not good. He's going to miss the entire year. He's 25 years old. He might like, not. Ian yeah, maybe he doesn't said I at the combine that he's supposed to be like football ready for week one. Now maybe he starts the season on IR right. and you know has to ramp up, up or whatever the case may be. Yeah. That was when the Hendon Hooker first round hype started picking up, was when we heard that okay, he right. might actually because I'm with you. Guy's gonna be 27 years old when he sets foot on NFL field for the first time. No, thank you. Right. If you can get him this year and you're a team that feels like you're a quarterback away. The Ravens, if Lamar leaves, which now it's maybe it's looking like there's less of a chance that happens, but I look at that 22nd pick. I look at the Eagles at 30, uh, and the Saints at 29, and in a, in a, being in a strong spot to trade down, and maybe you get a team like uh, Tennessee moving up to take them. Right. Maybe you get Las Vegas moving up for a second pick or moving back from seven to take him. Maybe even a team like San Francisco. We we don't know what the hell their quarterback situation is. And frankly, right. I don't think they know either. I don't think so either now. I, I can see him sneaking into the back end of the first round. Absolutely. I also wouldn't be surprised. I'll, this is kind of one of my, like, I don't have many hot draft takes. This is one of them. Yes. If Because all it takes is one team. Right? right. It doesn't take 32 teams to make a player top 15 player. It takes one. It sounds like NFL teams maybe aren't as high on Will Levis as the initial prognostication suggests, which, by the way, they're correct. I don't get why we were considering him a top 10 pick. Yeah. I don't get that. If one team really likes Hendon Hooker, it would not be the most surprising thing in the world if Will Levis falls and Hendon Hooker ends up going before him. Right. Would not shot. Now, that's going to happen in the 20s. It doesn't happen unless Will Levis falls. Right. But it wouldn't be the most surprising thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it is interesting. And, you know, from a perspective of a team, right? If you're, right. if you like a guy, if you're in on Hennon Hooker or even with Levis, you know, let's say it's Levis instead of Hennon Hooker, whoever it might be, and you're drafting at, you know, 36, well, it makes sense to move up into the first round because you get that fifth year. You right. get that fifth year under the rookie contract, and then you don't have to worry about extending him. Right away, you can spend that extra year to say, hey, let's kind of see what happens. Let's play it out a little bit and, and go from there. If he's Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, well, then we don't have to worry about that. We just extend him to three years. Who cares? But if he isn't, we get that extra year to kind of decide and see what we want to do. Um, and I think that that, you know, if you're trading up 10 picks, it's like it's almost a no brainer. And you give up, you know, a third round pick to go do that because it, it's worth it for you to have that extra year. Yeah, and, and the other thing with Hooker, you almost get the inverse of it, where, right, right he's 26. I know this is going to sound like it's not a lot, but trust me, it is. If he's, if he's It's got to be a team that feels like they're a quarterback away. Before the yeah. whole Aaron Rodgers thing, I thought the Jets were the perfect example of this. It might be the Raiders. Right. You draft Hendon Hooker, you now have him under team control until he's 30. Yeah. And then either at that point, your window runs out, you can re-sign him, but you're negotiating with a 30-year-old, not like a 26 or 27-year-old, so you have right. more leverage. Uh, or he's he's kind of aged out at that point. It's like the perfect breaking point. Yeah. The perfect point to go go the separate ways. So that's a great point. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. So I, I do I do think it's interesting. One guy I want to ask you about, because and I think what you said is so perfect. The Patriots right now are in that make or break it spot. You you have to have a good draft. Because there are holes. You got holes at certainly on the offensive line for sure. You still got holes at wide receiver. You know, you need probably another tight end, right? You could use another cornerback. Like, I think what they've done in free agency, and we've talked about this on the show a few times, and I'm sure you've done the same thing on yours. What they've done in free agency is given them a floor where they can say, hey, look, if we got to go into the year with Trent Brown and Riley Reeves starting a tackle, I mean, they're not going to be all pros but they're going to be at least competent players. And so we don't have to reach for our fourth tackle on the board at 14 because we just have to have it a starting offensive tackle. So I think they've done enough to give themselves depth there. And at wide receivers, the same thing. It's like we could really use a number one wide receiver, but you could 
go into the into the season with this wide receiving core. It's not gonna blow anyone away, but like it's gonna at least be competent. But you know, then that allows then it's like all right, best player available and so on and so forth. And and we can talk about you know whether that's a whole nother rabbit hole as to whether that was a good decision or not by them. But that's kind of where they are, where they feel like we have the depth. But a guy I want to talk about because I think it kind of plays into this where. I think some people might get a little desperate and where the Patriots do have to hit a home run here in the first round. I, I want to hear your thoughts about, on Peter Skronsky because I am scared to death that they're going to draft this kid and his arms are going to be too short or he's not going to be able to play tackle and they're going to end up having to kick him in the guard and now they have three guards that can play and no tackles. And so, I, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are there, but he scares the hell out of me. Yeah, and look, the reality would be you have drafted two left guards in back-to-back years because I don't think Cole right. Strange or Peter Skronsky can play right guard, so now you're really in trouble. Yeah. Which tells me, and I think they understand that. If they draft Peter Skronsky, he's a tackle. Right. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those ones where you really wish they had Dante Skarnakia. Um, yeah. Look, there's been two tackles in the last 10 years drafted in the first round with under 30-inch arms. One is Caleb McGarry, who was just, he, he, it took him a couple of years to get going for the Falcons, but he was one of the top free agents on the market this year. And the other was Justin Pugh, who started playing guard like two years later. Yeah. So the track record's not great. Yet here we are still talking about Peter Skronsky, not just as a tackle, but as a potential top half of the first round tackle. Right. That should tell you a lot about how technically skilled this kid is. And he is. It's basically how much do you believe in his technique? Now, before the arm measurements, he was the consensus number one tackle in this class, and there was no question about it. Yeah, He was in a tier above Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones. How much do they trust that, ta- that talent, that technique, to transfer to the next level? I still think you can get Paris Johnson. If you can get Broderick Jones, you get those guys. I wouldn't take Peter Skronsky over them. Right. But so you said it before, you know, they're in a position where they don't necessarily have to reach to address their biggest need. But I think it might be their MO, Pat. I don't know if two years is long enough for something to be a trend, but in the two years where Matt Groh has really run the draft board, throw positional value out the window here. In 2021, their biggest need, just have to, if you have to play a game that day, where's your biggest hole in the depth chart? In 2021, it was quarterback, and they took a quarterback. They arguably overdrafted him, but they took the best quarterback on the board. Last year, you can say receiver was a bigger need. You can say corner was a bigger need. You can say tackle was a bigger need, objectively. But throw out the positional value. Drew Desjardins, Canadian Football League All-Star Drew Desjardins. Remember when we were all putting our eggs in his basket? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would have been the starting left tackle. So, And, and by the way, there's a run on tackles in the first round. So what do they do? They trade back. Right, because Kenyon Green was off the board, Zion Johnson was off the board. Mm-hmm. They trade back and they take the best tackle available. That's Cole Strange. Now, did they take him too early? Maybe, but he was the best tackle available at that point. He was their biggest need. Right. Let's say they view it that way again this year. Now, I don't think that they're going to think tackles their biggest need for the record. But if they do think tackles the biggest need at this point, and Paris Johnson's gone and Broderick Jones is gone. Peter Skaronsky might be tackle three on their board. It might be Darnell Wright, but I think they're inherently going to view a left tackle as more valuable than a right tackle. Yeah. And if that's the case, history tells us Peter Skaronsky's the pick at 14. I would just go with Dewan Jones. I think Dewan Jones is, is the most slept on player in this draft. Yeah. But yeah, if, if they if if they say tackles are our biggest need and Broderick Johnson, Paris, uh Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson are gone. I think there's a good chance they take Peter Skronsky at 14 if they stay to make that pick. Yeah. Oh, man. So what, what would help you, I'll tell you this, what would help you is yeah. they also may look at it and say, all right, so group one is, you know, tier one is mm-hmm. Broderick Jones, Paris Johnson, Peter Skronsky. Tier two is Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright, Dewan Jones. They may look at that and say, you know what? Instead of getting the scraps at tier one, we're going to trade down and we're going to kick off tier two, right? We're going to move down to the high twenties. I look at the chargers at pick 21 as a perfect spot for them to trade up. And they're going to say, you know what? 
whether it's Harrison, whether it's Darnell Wright, whether it's Dewan Jones, like one of those guys will be there at 21. Yeah. We're not going to take this risk. We're going to get an extra pick, maybe double up on tackle later on, hedge our bets and go with one of the guys from tier two. That also feels very realistic for them. Yeah, I agree with you. And that to me would be the better thing. Now, the problem is, is that you're not in a draft where there's a ton of high end talent. And so the, the, uh, well, there is, but just, it doesn't line up. It like it, the high end talent is their positions of need. Right. Right. Let's say this draft, let's say Will Levis was actually good and Hendon <laughs> was healthy. Right. That 14th pick becomes super easy to trade down because the right. last guy, it, like the Patriots, right? Taking Mac Jones at 15. Somebody's going to overpay to get the last quarterback. Let's say there was more than one first round talent receiver in this draft. Super easy to move up, but right. it's tackles and corners. It's tackles, corners, and edge rushers. Yeah. That's what the Patriots need. So they're not going to trade back to let somebody else take their need necessarily. Right. The best right. thing that can happen for the Patriots in this draft is Anthony Richardson falls. I don't think it's going to happen, but if enough teams get scared of the gap between the floor and the ceiling, some team lower down there who's been in the playoffs, but maybe has an older quarterback and knows they're going to need it in a year or two moving up to 14. That's the best thing that could happen for the Patriots in the draft. Not that I think it happens. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, honestly, if I were the Panthers, I'd be taking, I'd be taking Anthony Richardson only because the, the ceiling is so astronomically high with him that you take that risk. And if you, and if you strike out, if you miss, then you miss, but you trust your coaching staff to say this kid, you can see it. This kid has it. And if he's a worker and I don't know, I don't know what the hard part about this stuff is that, you know, what, what people don't talk about is that 99% of maybe not 99, 90% of the success of the players has nothing to do with hap with, with what happens on the field and everything to do with what happens off the field. How much work do they put in? What's their mentality when they show up every day? You know, do they, are they, are they, uh, you know, willing to take coaching? All of those things come into play that, us laymen have no idea about, and even the coaching staff going into this and the scouting staff, they have an idea from, you know, from, you know, from these colleges, but what are these colleges going to do? They're going to talk crap about, about their player that's going to get drafted in the first round. No way. And so like getting an accurate view of that is tough. And so that to me is, is Harvard Richardson. If he's a worker, like Josh Allen's a worker, well, then it could really work out. But if he's not, then it probably won't work out, but you don't know that going into the draft. And I'd say a, a couple things from that. Uh, one, just from a Patriots point of view, that's why going to the Shrine Bowl was so valuable. Yeah. Get to know those kids, right? I, I think the other element too, even more so than that, and, and I say this all the time, the draft is really a nature versus nurture thing. When people say, will this player be good? Will this player not be good? I don't know. Who's drafting him? Right. Right? Because... There's teams that are great for quarterbacks. There's teams that ruin quarterbacks. There's teams that are great for receivers. There's teams that ruin receivers. There's teams that are great for corners. There's teams that ruin corners. Where's he going? Like that's, you know, a big yeah. part of it. Like for and Anthony Richardson, for me, is such a, a nurture guy. Before the Giants signed Daniel Jones that extension, I thought it was the perfect match for them to move up and take him because you get Brian Dayball, the guy yeah. who created Josh Allen. Right. Let's be, let's, I'm going to put my cards on the table here. Josh Allen is not Josh Allen might not get a second contract if Brian Dable never becomes the OC in Buffalo. Okay. I think right. he had that much of an impact And the way it's funny. You, you, you use that comp for Anthony Richardson, the way I describe Anthony Richardson and people know how I feel about Josh Allen. Josh Allen is the most erratic quarterback in the league. No matter how you feel about him, you can't push back on that. He led the league in turnovers last year. His highs are maybe as high as anybody, except maybe Patrick Mahomes. But when he's at his lows, he really does not look like a starting quarterback. Anthony Richardson, to me, is an extreme version of Josh Allen. I think his highs could be 10 times higher than Josh Allen's are. Right. But I think the, the risk that comes with it is year one Josh Allen, but significantly worse. Right. So it really comes down to how much do you trust your coaching staff to put this guy in a position to succeed? Panthers just overhauled their coaching staff. So you think they believe in the group they have. Um, I feel like they've struck out so much recently. <laughs> you kind of have to go with a little bit of a safer right. bet in CJ Stroud. Right. Stroud's not a bad player. 
I look at like the Falcons where you have a guy in Desmond Ritter who you just drafted, who does have some floor. You have a guy in Taylor Heineke who has some floor. I actually, like the last two years, every time the Falcons make a roster move outside of drafting Drake London, I find myself loving it. They've done a great job. They just need a quarterback and another yeah. receiver. But you can draft Richardson. You don't need to play him right away. But if he's up to it, you kind of have a team around him where he can succeed. Yeah. That, to me, would be like the yeah. perfect spot for Anthony Richardson. I love him in the in the Arthur Smith offense. That's, as a fan of his, that's where I hope he ends up. He ends up. Yeah, uh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. And that helps the Patriots because that's a team that is going to, you know, if they don't draft a quarterback is going to take a position that you probably need. Yeah. Um, and so that certainly helps the Patriots out there. So it is interesting. I mean, the, the whole quarterback discussion is really fascinating and, and the top of the draft is going to be really interesting, you know, and, and to see where these guys all kind of fall and where people have, um, you know, people slotted in and so on and so forth, I think is going to be, is going to be fascinating. So let's move out of the first round though, and get to the second round. So we're at pick 46 Patriots are at pick 46. Now, maybe they end up with another second round, or maybe they don't. But nevertheless, they're at 46 right now. Same question. You're at 46. Who's the guy that you think is probably going to be there that you're like, mm -hmm, there's my guy at 46? So first of all, I think they're in trade-up. They've okay. traded up in the second round the last uh, – Miguel, Pat's cap had it. last like four or five years in a row. Really? And They did it last year too? Yep, Tyquan Thornton. had moved up from oh, 50 that's right. to 50. That's they right. jumped the Steelers. Yes, They're not correct. always big trade-offs. Right. But, you know, that Barmore trade, second and two-fourths for the higher second. They have three-fourths, so they're in great yep. position to do it. I think like 30 to 40 in this draft, there's a ton of talent there. And if you'll allow me to nerd in for a sec, nerd yes. out for a second here. Do it. We talk about value in terms of trades. I know people hear value in the draft with the Patriots, and they roll their eyes. But. So a couple things to know. The biggest drop in value in the NFL draft from pick to pick when you're talking about trades is one to two because you don't get to pick any player you want anymore. Right. The second biggest drop is not actually two to three. The second biggest drop is normally, normally I'm kind of doing the uh, Brian Windhorst thing here, normally <laughs> 32 to 33 because yeah. of the fifth year option like we talked about earlier. You pick a guy 32nd, you get a whole other year of team control, affordable team control that you don't get when you pick a guy at 33. This year, there were only 31 first-round picks because the Miami Dolphins lost theirs for, for dinking around with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, right? Right. So what does that all mean? It means that the 32nd pick has, I don't want to say has never been less valuable because there's been other years where there were 31 picks. as the Patriots one year. But like, yeah, this is as little value as the 32nd pick will ever have. But that also means this is the easiest year to trade up to the 32nd pick. And it just so happens that's kind of where the meat of this draft is. Yeah. Put that all together. I love the Patriots trading up to the 32nd pick this year. I love it where, where the Steelers oh, yeah. are. And, and honestly, trading back to 17 where the Steelers are makes a ton of sense too. So maybe you get like a two for there. Right, we go from fourteen to seventeen, and then forty six to thirty two, and then you maybe pick up like a day three pick somewhere in there. Right, but I I love that move for them. Even if it's not thirty two, though, I think they trade up, and you know the guys I'm looking at there. Obviously, some of it depends on what happens in the first round. But if they're going tackle, I like Dewan Jones there. I like Anton Harrison. Darn right if they fall. Mm -hmm. I, if we're going to talk about corners in that spot. Julius Brents has been my draft cut yeah. crush since the college football playoffs. 6'3", 210, long arms, man corner, but he can actually move. Every time I bring him up, people go, hey, Juwan Williams. Yeah. Go look at like his combine testing right. numbers. They it's blow ridiculous. Juwan Williams out of the water. Yeah. He ran a 4'5", It's not exactly what you want, but you're not putting him on Tyree Kill. Right. You're putting him on T. Higgins. And he has the long speed to keep up with those guys. And again, the agility is great. So I look at Julius Brents there in the corner spot. Maybe Keely Ringo falls. He could be a guy there from Georgia. I like Darius Rush from South Carolina mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. I certainly think you start talking about tight ends there. Darnell Washington, to me, is the only tight end they should take in the top 100. Yeah. If you're not going to take him, you're going to take one of these like hybrid receivers. At that point, wait and take Zach Kuntz at the beginning right. of the fourth round. 
But if you really want to go with a tight end, Darnell Washington, the do-it-all guy from Georgia's the pick. And then if we're going to go receivers here, I know I said Marvin Mims at 76 earlier. I don't hate reaching for him. I yeah. don't. I think he's very slept on. Kind of reminds me, the comp I've been using is David Patton, but maybe faster. And then the other, I don't know how he fits on the roster, but I'm such a huge fan of Josh Downs. Looks like yeah. Julian Edelman, the way he plays the game. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Footwork king, uh, just gets himself open. Route running, you know, he's got the, the masters in route running, as Evan likes to say, all of that. Really, the only reason he's not in first-round conversation is because Jackson Smith and Jigba's Josh Downs with Moriak. Right. And if Jackson Smith and Jigba wasn't there, we'd be pushing Josh Downs a lot higher up the draft board. I don't know how he fits, because then you probably have to play Juju on the outside, which isn't where he's at his best. So that becomes weird, but man, he's talented enough that like, yeah, if he's there, figure it out. You know, I'd rather take what address one of those other needs, but yeah. I'm not going to be upset if they come away with Josh Downs. Cause you've got your slot guy for the next 10 years. I like it. No, I like it. I like it. And you know, guy that is my guy that anyone listens to the show knows Emmanuel Forbes is my guy, but I, as much as I love Emmanuel Forbes tape and what he can do, you know, he's 166 pounds. Like yeah. it's, I you know, combined with, that's true. Well, it is true. I mean, I just think him, Jack Jones, and Marcus Jones, and even John Jones isn't that big either. You're, you're trotting out guys that are going to get trucked in the running game, but maybe that doesn't matter anymore. Maybe size really doesn't matter in the NFL anymore. Well, so I, I think beyond that, you look at some of the receivers you're going to have to go through in the AFC. You got to play. You got to play receivers that can create after the catch and bigger guys. Right. T. Higgins, Shamar Chase, Devontae Adams, guys like that. You need corners you can tackle. That being said, they took a bunch of small corners last year. I think they're more concerned with height than strength when we talk about big and forms a six one with long arms. Right. He is like a lot about his profile, the combine testing, the on ball production, the, the height and, and length they like. He checks a lot of their boxes. I'd be surprised if he's not on their board. The question to me when he comes in, and this is my big, honestly, my bigger hang up with Emmanuel Forbes and his size, as much as I want them to get a bigger corner, like a big physical corner. Forbes is a ball hawk. He's not a lockdown guy. Right. And for people who don't know the difference, like lockdown corner is Revis, Gilmore. They're guys that they don't put up a ton of numbers because the ball's never thrown near them. The guy's right. just never open. A ball hawk corner is more Malcolm Butler, JC Jackson, Asante Samuel, the premier one right now in the NFL is Trayvon Diggs. Those guys are trying to bait the quarterbacks into making bad decisions, make the receiver look open, and then go get the football and create turnovers. Right. Those guys are much more high-risk, high-reward. Mm -hmm. Look at Trayvon Diggs, right? I think he's overrated because, yeah, he picks off 10 passes every year, but he allows 15 touchdowns. He shouldn't. He's right. going for the ball. Yeah, He has gotten better. I think J.C. Jackson's a great example of he came in as a pure ball hawk, and as he kind of progressed, they helped him develop into more of a lockdown corner who could go get the football. If they draft Emmanuel Forbes, that's going to be the conversation for me. I don't think they draft him to play the way he played at Mississippi State. They draft him for his length and athleticism, and then right. they say, hey, we're going to try to get you to play more lockdown. And essentially, they're going to try to turn him into J.C. Jackson. If yeah. they like the comps, JC Jackson, that's who they're going to try to turn him into. So the fact they did it with Jackson is encouraging. And that's why, like, I'm not giving up on that idea because I normally hate ball hockey corners. I want the lockdown every day of the week. Yeah. But yeah. if they can kind of get him on that JC Jackson track, he's going to be on their board, like, high on their board. It's interesting. Yeah. It's really, that's a great point that you make, a really great point. And it's interesting because the hardest thing is that. To me, you have a ball hawking corner on the other side and Jack Jones. So then it's right. like now you got you two ball two hawking corners. And then you've got a ball hawking safety and Kyle Duggar. Right. And like right. you're really aggressive now. Look, <laughs> yeah. they led the league in 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 defensive touchdowns last year for a reason, but there's a flip side of that. And we saw it right. at times last year. And for me, like you said, I give me a safe guy on one side. I'm not saying yeah. everybody needs to be locked down. It's unrealistic. Give me a safe guy on one side. All ball hawks, uh, it's gonna be an adventure. Right. Agreed. Uh, Team Crazy Matt does mention Matthew Bergeron at 46 uh, with a bunch of people, a bunch of people going there uh, or I guess mocking him there. That's an interesting one to me. I mean, I, I I'm kind of like you where I have those 
three that you have in that same bubble. I think Bergeron is close to that, to those three guys, but I wouldn't put him in that tier with those three, you know, with Dewan Jones and Anton Harrison um, and, uh, and uh, Jiminy Christmas. And um, who the hell is the kid Dewan from? Jones, Anton Harrison, Darnell Wright. Darnell Wright. Thank you from Tennessee. I'm like yep. blanking on his name. The people in the Skull Show chat are going to be pissed at me for that one. Um, but but um, Bergeron's close to that level, in my opinion, but he's just not He's just not quite there for me. Uh, he's more of a third-round pick to me or late second round. Um, you know, once those three guys are off the board, that's kind of how I feel about Bergeron. I'm not sure if you feel the same way, but that, that's, that's how I feel about him. You, you honestly might be higher on him than I am. I, I, I don't put him in that tier. I have him like, you know, I'll take Freeland over him. I might even take mm. Tyler Steen over him because I think both Steen and Bergeron probably end up being right guards when it's all said and done. Steen's going to be a better guard. He's a more technically sound player. Like Bergeron, yeah. yeah, he has the arm length. He does hit that that 30-inch mark. He's actually at 33 and a quarter, but he just doesn't move well. He doesn't get out of his set well. His, his pass protection skills aren't there. At best, he's a pure right tackle. Mm-hmm. And again, I think he ends up making the move inside to guard at some point. So I've seen Bergeron at 46 with the other tackles that should be on the board. That pick worries me because that, again, I think you're taking a guard there and we're going to be sitting here sit next year saying, well, it's a good thing they took Bergeron at 46 because they let Michael and Wendu walk and now they have a guy to plug in there. Right. No, that's a good point too, I guess. But, I, but again, if you're drafting, if for the second year in a row, you're drafting a guard in the first two rounds, uh, that's just, that's not good. That's not what we want. Right. Um, so, you know, I think the double dip at tackle, like you mentioned, is a good idea. I think double dipping in a corner or wide receiver or even both is, is a decent idea. You got a ton of picks. Um, I don't need to so, see them double dip you know, a wide receiver. I'll be honest. I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't even really need to see them take a receiver if it's not in the first round because they have this, collection of like number twos and they've got great depth. I think Devontae Park is a really good player. I love Kendrick Bourne. We'll see what Tyquan does, but man, you got to let him play to find out what you have in him. Yep. And then obviously they bring in Juju, right? What they don't need is another guy that's just going to mix into that rotation and not really play. You don't need a bench Kendrick Bourne. Again. Like we don't need to see them do that again. Right. I, I don't need to see them bring in somebody who's going to muddle into that rotation. Top 50 pick needs to be on the field more often than not. First round pick needs to be like an 80% usage rate. Right. So if you're just going to draft a receiver who mixes into that rotation, what's the point? What exactly is the point? Because you're not improving. You're just giving that guy snaps that would have gone to Kendrick right. Bourne, who's probably better than the receiver you take at that spot. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, uh, Devontae Parker, who's probably better than the receiver you take at that spot. Now in the first round, JSN, Zay Flowers, those are the two guys I can really be talked into. After that, again, I think you're just putting somebody back in this carousel that it, it it doesn't help. If you're at that point, go get an upside guy on day three. Go get Bryce Ford Wheaton. Uh, right. Go get Demario Douglas from Liberty. Go get Justin Shorter. Go get Michael Jefferson's been in this group. I saw actually this morning he got in a car accident today. I hope he's doing okay. But um, you know, go get a guy, go get a a, a project guy like that on day three who you're not gonna play anyway, because right. I don't need to see him draft a receiver who's not going to play. And I don't need to see him draft a receiver over a guy or draft a receiver to play over a guy. He shouldn't be playing over. Right. So right. I like, I, I receivers a premier need for me, but it's not a, like, it's not a real need because they shouldn't just be replacing somebody in the rotation. It doesn't make them any better, which is also, why I know we, we're moving on a second round here, but I, I meant to bring this up. If they're going to take a receiver at 14, trade the 14th pick for Jerry Judy at that point. Right. Just do that because especially like when it comes to Zay Flowers, who's the player we're all hoping Zay Flowers is in three years? It's Jerry Judy. Yeah. So you're essentially stepping in a time machine and speeding that up three years. You just get the guy. And by the way, oh, he's already proven he can do it. And if you're going to tell me, well, you want the youth. Well, Jerry uh, Jerry Judy's only like 16 months older than Zay Flowers. (laughs) Right. And if you tell me it's because you want the contract, guess what? You got the fourth year of the rookie deal. You got the fifth year option. Jerry Judy doesn't really become expensive until 2025. Who knows what this thing's going to look like by then? Correct. Yeah, no, I would go trade for Jerry Judy because he's a clear number one in this offense. I agree. I agree 100%. And I, I do think, I think taking a guy later is a good idea. You know, 
he get the Foxborough flu and he sits out for the right. year and, you know, and he's, and he's kind of, you know, a practice squad guy or, or an IR guy, fine. And he's able to step in next year when, you know, Parker and Bourne might both be gone. Right. right. Fine. But you're right. Like, you know, there's no, there's no point in taking a guy at, at 46 or, you know, at 76 or whatever the case may be. It's like that guy's not going to play right away. Um, to your point about Darnell Washington, I know we're circling back to tight ends, but I just think I think it'd be dumb to take it. And you said it too. Like he's the guy. Don't take anyone other than him because you have Gasecki and Hunter Henry. They're both receiving tight ends, receiving only tight ends. Sure, you want to line them up in line. Sure, you want to make them block someone. Okay, they can try. They're not good at it, but they'll do it. But like you're gonna draft another one of those guys. Now you got three of them. Like it, it, that's foolish to me. Like drafting Darnell Washington makes sense because he gives you like another offensive lineman on the field. Those other guys, they don't make sense to draft high because they're just a, like, are they going to be better than Mike Gusecki or Hunter Henry right now? And if they're not going to be, that guy's never going to play. It's just, it doesn't make any sense. Right. You just, you just hit the nail on the head. It's like, I just talked about it. Receiver. Don't draft somebody that high. Who's not going to play again. If that's the guy you want and I get it. You want to make sure you have a receiving tight end in the pipeline signed beyond this year. Gesicki and Henry are both pending for agents. Again, Zach Koontz at 107 from Old Dominion, right. Combine Freak. It's yep. that easy. But yeah, in the top 100, like Dalton Kincaid visited today, right? Everybody got hot and bothered about Dalton Kincaid. Long term, is Dalton Kincaid going to be a better player than Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki? Maybe, but not as a rookie. So right. again, don't they need to win this year? Those top three picks need to be guys who make impact. I feel like upgrade and addition kind of get used as synonyms at times. They're not. Is Dalton Kincaid an upgrade? Maybe. Maybe. He's not an addition. He's not. Right? right? right. Darnell Washington is an addition. You don't cool. have that element. Frankly, nobody has that element. I think Darnell Washington's a unicorn. You only get right. a couple of these guys in every draft. I think, you know, I look at Darnell Washington and, and Dewan Jones is the two guys, and I guess Zach Koontz later on, those are the unicorns. So often we get enamored with these prospects, and the reality is it's not to take anything away from any individual. They're all incredibly talented. But we some people got really hot and bothered over the tackles last year. You can draft that guy this year. Maybe you needed him more last year, but, like, you're not missing out. Right. There's very few guys. It was Jordan Davis last year. He yeah. didn't. If you wanted Jordan Davis, you didn't draft him last year. You're not getting a similar player, right? Darnell, if you want Darnell Washington, you got to take him this year because you're not getting six. What is he? Six seven. Six seven, like two eighty or something stupid. Two seventy four six four forty with a four oh eight shuttle. That guy is not going to be on the board next year, right? Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer. Those guys are going to be on the board next year. I'll tell you yeah. that right now. Like they're good. So is Brock Bowers. So is right. a, normally, normally I have names off the top of my head. I don't right now, but there's other good tight ends coming next year. Yeah. Darnell yeah. Washington is the guy. He gives you something that you don't have. He's a unicorn. He's going to play. He's going to play next to those two guys. He's not redundant. If they don't take Darnell Washington in the second round, I'm good on tight end until we get out of the top 100, frankly. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that you talk about a trade back. Maybe they trade back and draft Darnell Washington in the first round. They're like, who knows? You know, and I, I think, I think I would be okay yeah, with that, out. you know, like as long as you're taking them in the mid to late twenties, I got no problem with that. You know, at 14, that's insane. But like mid to late twenties, I'm okay. You've picked up an extra, you know, an extra day two pick, maybe even more than one, depending on how far down you've gone. And, you know, you're, you're saying just kind of like you said earlier, you're taking a corner and, you know, a, a tackle or a wide receiver on day two, as opposed to taking them on day one. Right. And so, yeah. so I'm okay with that, but I agree. I agree with that. And, and that's kind of how I feel about the draft sometimes is like, it's not that hard. Like just, just take those guys that are freaks. Like if, and if you like them now, maybe you don't like them. Maybe you look at that guy and say, maybe you look at Darnell Washington and say, okay, great. He's big and he's fast. That's awesome. But he's dumb as a stump and he's never going to do what we ask him to do. And it's never going to work. Okay. If that's the way you feel that's fine. That's the way you feel. I think you're probably wrong about that, but that's, I, they know a hell of a lot more than I do, you know? So so it's it's one of those things, but don't sit there and say, ah, oh, you know, we get him next year. No, you can't. No, he can't. You can't. You right. can't, can't find a guy like that. So if you're that worried about missing on Dalton Kincaid, look up a guy named Cade Stover from Ohio State. He'll be there on the board next year in the second round. It's fine. Say there you go. See? Look at that. So Alex coming in with the with the college football player 
for the uh, for the people out there. Everyone knows who Brock Bauer is, but not everyone knows who Cade Stover is. So, yeah. uh, so we appreciate that. Um, all right, third round. We'll just do really quick third round. What you know? Who's the guy on the board at seventy six for you? It's a little bit further down the draft board, of course, but maybe it's a guy that they'll do something similar to the second round. Maybe they trade up in the third round. Maybe they, you know, or maybe they reach for a guy that might be in someone's top 100, but closer, closer to hundred than 76 um, that you think, you know, might be the guy there. So this is where I think maybe they get a little looser positionally. And look, I've already mentioned some guys, you know, tackle Blake Freeland. We talked about him, Juan yeah. Morris, uh, Tyler Steen. Um, I'm good at, like I said, I'm good at wide receiver at this point. Maybe if Marvin Mims falls, He's a guy you look at there um, at the cornerback position. Uh, I look at a guy like Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. Does he fall to this range? Some people think he might. Uh, I look at, and I, th- we've gotten to the time of year where there's a million names in my head now, Pat. Right. And, uh, yeah, I know. you know, I struggle with it. I, I look at a guy like uh, Kai Blue Kelly from Stanford. Is yep. he a guy you maybe look at, but you know, Edge guys, this is where edge guys really start to come into play for me. And honestly, front seven guys, defensive tackles, uh, linebackers, Byron Young from Tennessee. So there's there's two Byron Youngs, both <laughs> from the SEC, yep. both playing the front seven, both expected to go on the same range of the draft. Byron Young from Alabama is a defensive tackle. Byron Young from Tennessee's defensive end, outside linebacker, kind of hybrid guy. Uh, if he like passes the interviews, makes like checks a lot of boxes for the Patriots. He's older. He's 25, but they like older prospects. They've had the oldest draft average draft age in the league since 2017. So they're going to look at these older guys a little more developed played two years at Juco ball transferred to Tennessee was a two year starter was very productive. Looks like a three down player guy who can set the edge against the run, but also is good at collapsing the pocket passing game. The reason he's going later, frankly, is because he's kind of older and he only is, you know, two years of, of, FBS experience. He was at the Juco for two years. Right. He wasn't like a highly ranked high school recruit. So Byron Young from Tennessee is a guy like, um, I liked, uh, and I'm going to butcher his name at a at a the guy from Northwestern in this range. I think yeah, after the combine, tackle. he's going to go higher. He might be a guy at 46 and another guy. I really think they'll like it. Pat, how many years have we done this? They need the athletic three down modern off ball coverage linebacker and, Two years ago, it was a great class. Oh, they're definitely going to get one of those guys they didn't. Last year was a great class. Well, now they're definitely going to get the guy and they didn't. So <laughs> I don't know if we're setting ourselves up for disappointment again. This class kind of sucks at linebacker, so maybe yeah. they take two. But Henry Toto from Alabama, I wanted him last year. He he, he would have been a first-round pick if he came out last year. He didn't. He played hurt this year. That kind of hurt his stock and didn't test well at the combine. But played a couple years at Tennessee, transferred to Alabama. His first year at Alabama, he learned the defense so well that Nick Saban gave him the college equivalent of the green dot. Like he was calling the defense mm. incredibly smart, instinctive football player can, can, you know, handle things sideline to sideline a little bit on the smaller end. I, he's not going to be the best asset against the run, but you have to want Bentley play next to him. So that's right. fine. He can cover, he can rush the passer. I would be very surprised if Henry Toto is not on their board. 76 is maybe a little early. This is more like if they trade back in the third round. Yeah. But they might also like him enough that they say, you know what? We're taking him at 76. We believe in him. We don't want to lose him. He's our guy. Right. Or, you know, they could do something. They got three fourth round picks, right? They could package two of those and move up, you know, into the late third round, take someone at 76 and get, you know, Toto at the end of the third round too. So that's, that's also a possibility. I think I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head with with the edge class. I just think this is kind of that spot, you know, whether it's Isaiah McGuire, whether it's Carl Brooks, whether it's you know, there's all there's a bunch of guys kind of in this range that I feel like the Patriots, you know, this is kind of that sweet spot for them where they can look at it and say, "Yep, we can draft a guy here. We can go after this type of player." Um, and I think it's I think it's interesting. W- one of the guys that that really fascinates me is Gervin Dexter. Um, it's funny because sometimes you watch it and someone pointed and I don't know who said it. And maybe it was a, maybe it was in a chat I was in, maybe it was online. I don't remember, but someone's saying like, sometimes you watch him and you like literally don't know if he knows how to play football. Like the ball gets snapped and he just stands there and you're like, what are you, where are you going? Like, what are you doing? And then other times he just, he like 
smokes his guy with a with a sweet rip move or like bull rushes his guy into the backfield that makes a play two yards in the backfield. And you're like, this guy, I have no idea what you're getting from this guy. But again, I talked about it earlier. If you can get that guy in the middle of the defense that can get after the quarterback and create pressure up the middle, that is a it is an incredibly valuable position. And Dexter has the ability to do that. Now, whether he's going to be able to do it consistently, I have no idea, right? But what I think what scares me more than anything is that the fact that he's from Florida and we drafted another guy from Florida who played in the middle, who was kind of, and didn't have such terrible tape that Dexter has at times, but you know, Dominique Easley was a guy who looked incredibly explosive from the inside and he just didn't have any knees left when they drafted him. But like, you know, that, that comp I think scares a lot of people, but he's just such a strange player that like, the highs of him are really good, and the lows are like this guy shouldn't even be on an NFL roster. Never mind get drafted. It's it's crazy. So defensive tackle is one position. Look, defensive tackle might have been like all around the best position at the Shrine Bowl. They got to look at some guys that are really talented. I yeah. like Moro Ojimo from Texas. Uh, there's another guy from Texas, Keandre Coburn, and then Deontay Stills from West Virginia. I said before I was waiting for Henry Toe to-, to come out last year. Every year I keep a running list. Like as I'm watching college football, see a guy do something. Oh, I put him in my phone. I'm like, remember him during draft season. I've had Dante stills on my list for three years <laughs> and he finally is coming out. And I got talked about it. Tribal. I, he actually gave me a really interesting answer. He felt like the NFL, he wants to be a leader. He wants to be a vocal leader. He wants all that. He wanted to learn more how to be a teammate in a leader. And that's why he kept going back to school, which if he said that to the Patriots, and they would love. <laughs> so like a Patriots answer, you know, I, I look at guys like that uh, a little higher up the board. You got Zach Pickens from South Carolina. Um, I think they're going to wait until day three to go with a defensive tackle. I think they're going to take a defense tackle, at least one, if not more than one. But there's so much talent late in this draft at yeah. defensive tackle. I, I don't think they're going to maybe uh, jump, jump at one. Okay. I like it. I like it. Yeah. So, all right. Anyone else you want to, before we get out of here, anyone else you want to name? Anyone that you're like, you're super high on. Maybe they won't go in, in the first two days, but you're like, this guy needs to be on the Patriots. Oh, how much time you got, right? I mean, um, <laughs> look, I already I already said Zach Koontz a couple times. Everybody yeah. knows um, I'm a big fan of his. I like them taking another pass catching running back in this draft, whether that's Eric Gray from Oklahoma, Travis Dye from USC. I've said that. They'll do the exact opposite. They'll take Chris Rodriguez from Kentucky, who's a bowling ball, would be a, a Damian Harris replacement. Um, interior offensive line, like Anthony Bradford from LSU later on. Um, I'll give you a really interesting one on the edge. Kind of talked about defensive lineman, Jose Ramirez from Eastern Mm -hmm. Michigan. I like him. A guy that kind of snuck onto my radar there. You watch him at the combine. Like, this is such a stupid thing. This is what the draft process is. The way he came on my radar. First of all, the group he's with the combine, he breaks down the huddle before all the drills. And he was like cheering everybody on. He's right there up front. I'm like, this is like this guy. He's definitely doing this to get noticed. So let me watch him. 20 tackles for a loss last year at Eastern Michigan. Guy plays shot out of a cannon, high motor, doesn't quit on anything. Yeah. I think he's got a lot of room to grow his game. He's very raw right now, but I love his upside. And you look at, you know, guys the Patriots have drafted at that position who have they've been patient with Josh Uche. Anthony Jennings, we're going to talk about a year three jump this year coming up for Ronnie Perkins. They're not going to take him. Right. They're not going to take him in the top 100. Like they took those guys. He's probably a little later on, but boy, I could see that. Um, At corner, some of the later corners. I like Keetra Clark from Louisville, Max Melton from Rutgers. He will be a Patriot. He'll be a UDFA, but he will be a Patriot. He blocked three punts on his own last year. (laughs) Um, Depth safeties. I like Ronnie Hickman from Ohio State. Traverius yeah. Owens from Houston. Uh, favorite kicker in this draft is probably uh, Jake Moody from Michigan. But don't sleep on sleep on uh, Harrison Mevis, beast from Missouri. He doesn't warm up. He's like 260 pounds. He doesn't warm up. Like you know how when kickers go out there, they don't. Yeah. They like take a couple. He just goes out there and kicks, and he's great. And it's. It. I don't think Patriots will take him, but. Look him up. He's ridiculous. And then Michael Turk is my punter in this draft. So there you, go. you can't ask me one day three player, Pat. You've got I know. Hey, listen, five. this is true, Alex. And But that's all right. I just, <laughs> I asked the question. I let you go. That's all. That's, yeah, all, that's, that's it. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, no, Z-Tac says insert special teamer here. I agree. I, I agree, Turk. Look him up. 
You know, I agree, Turk, Moody. Even Noah Ruggles, I think, is interesting. Noah Ruggles, like of Noah course, Ruggles. missed that missed that kick horrendously. But like he did win the Peach Bowl last year with a with a last second kick. So, you know, you can kind of you, you take to go with the bad, I guess, right? So um, but oh my god, you're right. There's so many of you mentioned running backs. Uh Evan Hall is a guy that I'm high Love on. Love Evan Hall. Um he, Love Evan Hall. I mean, he's got what 80 something catches over the last two years. Like, you know, you talk about a pass catching back, right? Yeah. So um you know, and there's so many guys and I've gone, I mean, I've done so many mock drafts at this point that, you know, it's like I've, I've published five of them, which is insane, but uh, I'm keep going. I'm, I'm keep coming out with one every, every Monday. Cause why the hell not? People like them. So I keep, I keep doing it. Uh, but want- then I'm like, you know, searching for guys and I'm like, Oh, this guy's way down the list, you know? So. So you want uh, one more name way off the board? Yes. Yes, like, I this do. Is, this is my fit. When people say, all right, give me one, give me a deep one. Yeah. It's a quarterback. Okay. Dalton Antlers from East Carolina. Do you say lefty? Do you say Dalton Antlers? Holton. I don't know if it's Ailers or Allers. Okay. Kid's a tank. 6'3, 245. He's a decent passer. He's not great, but I go back to when the Patriots played the Falcons two years ago. Bill Belichick went on this whole diatribe about Felipe Franks. And the yep. value you get in a player like that who can play quarterback in tight end and cover kicks. And he talked about, he brought up Taysom Hill. He's done this a couple times. If there's a Taysom Hill in this draft, it is Holton Aylers. So look, they brought in to Eric King last year as UDFA was a hybrid quarterback receiver, kick yep. returner, right? Special teams guy. Yep. Ultimately didn't end up making it to the spring, but he was there. I think there were some injury issues. Holton Aylers also that. He was the MVP. So everybody knows the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Bowl. There's also the Hula Bowl. Yep. There's the NFL PA Bowl. Like there's other bowls. Holton Aylers was the MVP of both the Hula Bowl and the NFL PA Bowl. That's pretty impressive, right there. UDFA, pencil it in. Him and Max Melton. I love it. I love it, dude. This is why this is why we have you on Barth because you have all these ridiculous names that no one else has ever heard of, and it's fantastic. And that's you want what the we most want. ridiculous name in the draft. Let's go. Shockey Jacques Louis is a wide receiver from Akron, Pitt transfer, really good route runner. Like I don't know that he has NFL burst or agility, but he can, he's a great route runner, and he's covered a ton of kicks in his career from Pitt to Akron. Another guy projected UDFA, but there's another one for you. Shockey I love Jacques it. Louis. That's a good one. That's a good one. I was gonna say Jada Kiss Bonds because that's anyone that was a that's a fan of '90s rap, you know, knows Jada Kiss. Guy. Yep. Oh. Yep. So, um, you know, it is Pumper Pool. Yep. Right, another one, and that's you know I just think the Patriots are such wild cards, especially in the draft. You just don't know what they're going to do, right? You don't right. know who they're going to take. You have no idea what they're looking at, right? Do they take Mo Diabati in the you know in the fourth round because he's basically Devin Lloyd, but a year out, but not as good as Devin Lloyd, right? And so you know it's one of those like what, you know what types of players are they going to go right. after? Who do they want, right? So, and so you know just keep keeps in, keeps everyone guessing, you know. They're going to like Diabate too. I got to talk to him at the Shrine Bowl. And I kind of asked, when I was talking to players who were playing with the Patriots, I asked them all, like, did you watch, you know, offense or defense, depending on which side of they were on? Did you watch the Patriots system at all to see how you'd fit into it? He was like, yeah, I watched a bunch. They're like, well, who do you like? What role do you see yourself in? And most guys, you know, I asked all the linebackers, they're saying, you know, ah, I think I'm Josh Uche. I think I'm Juwan Bentley. A couple guys said Dante Hightower. He goes, well, I, I look at the way Mike Vrabel played. <laughs> You're like 24. <laughs> and then he, he brought up Willie McGinnis, like Willie, right, so good. Mike Vrabel and Willie McGinnis. And then he starts talking to me about Jack Lambert. And I'm like, I was like, all right, like before he gets to the rest of his interview, you're going to talk to Bill at some point. You need to talk to him about this stuff. Right. Because he is, he will love it that this 24 year old kid wants to talk about the steel curtain. So I don't know if he took my advice, Diabate. I don't know if he brought that up to Bill, but if he did, like you talk about a lot of people saying sixth, seventh round. Well, he's Devin Lloyd a year removed, and right. he's a football history nut. Yep. Maybe right. there's something there. It's true. It's true. And you know what? Those interviews sometimes are so fascinating because I remember hearing a story about um, Brandon Spikes at the Combine. I think it was at the Combine. And, you know, he sits down with, you know, with the team and they're interviewing him and they're asking him, you know, and they're saying, well, you know, you have to sacrifice some things, you know, for – for uh, you know, 
individual accolades and maybe your tackles weren't as high and, and he just he just like looks at them across the table puts his hands on the table and he's like nobody gives a crap about your freaking tackles the only thing that matters is this right here and it was just like and i was like well that's why he was a patriot you know like right so and so it's just like those types of things make a lasting impact and so if you have guys that are doing their homework and saying things like that you know it's like if mo diabati gets drafted in the fourth round by the patriots we sit there and say well maybe that's why you know like and so it's just that's the type of stuff that you know again we don't see that it's not on tape it's not on film it's not you know no one's writing that up in the scouting report but it that makes an impact and that real life stuff is is why guys get drafted sometimes right yeah so it's interesting well anyways this has been so much fun bar thank you so much for coming on really appreciate it before we let you go you have to plug yourself let us know where everyone can read you and see you and hear you and and watch you as well yeah, so all my written stuff, all my draft stuffs at 985thesportsub.com. We're making our way through the, uh, I, I do every year, big piece on each position in the draft. Be dropping the cornerback edition tomorrow, so we're almost there. Um, I got mock drafts and everything up there as well, 985thesportsub.com. You can hear me on the Catch-22 podcast with Evan Lazar on patriots.com. We'll have a new episode tomorrow. And on the Patriots Beat podcast on CLNS Media with Mike Cadlick. We will have a new live mock draft uh, tomorrow on that program. So nice. Busy time of year. Sure is. It's so much fun though. It's so much fun. Oh yeah. I love it. So, well, thank you, Sarah. I really appreciate it. And uh, have a great night. And thank you everyone for listening. And we'll talk to you. uh, We'll talk to you. I won't be here next week, but Matt will be here next week with a special guest that he's awfully excited about. So you'll have to wait and see who that is. See you guys.